people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Renaissance fest. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy. Ho, ho, ho. Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Here's your host, jolly old Derek McCaw. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. I am jolly. Maybe not old. I am old enough. The ho- old enough uh, to know better. The host of the Fanboy Planet Podcast and indeed uh, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. To my right, impersonating Santa Claus this evening. I am Nate Costa. You are indeed an across podcast producer and moral compass. You don't even want to respond unless I say and moral compass. I'm just waiting. Uh, okay. <laughs> Rick Brett Snyder. He um, doesn't even look up until you hear know. his moral compass. Put the mistletoe down. All right. So uh, we are podcasting on oh, it's, it's December 20th. Is the day not? before the end of the world. Oh, that's right. This is potentially the end of the world podcast. And oh, well, uh, it's been a good run. And I hope that Rick gets us up in time so that people get a chance to listen to it. Because the world is not going to end. It's going to keep on going, and we're going to keep on... Still time to buy comics. When I said this podcast is going to blow up, this is not what I had in mind. It's not going to happen, dude. We are still going to face Amazing Spider-Man number 700. That's right. We are still going to face the second part of The Hobbit someday. We are going to follow Star Trek (laughs) into darkness. All those things will happen. And uh, don't so, forget Avengers too. Oh, okay. That's oh, way I, I, out there. And Guardians of the Galaxy, dude. That's right. All right. Iron Man three, Thor two, Captain so America. So much to live for. Mayans, back <laughs> off, man. Okay. Both uh, Mayans, they just don't know how to f- have fun. I was gonna say in JLA. Okay, Mayans, go. Uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, ah, so we're podcasting from the Brett Cave. And we've got some comics news. We did want to talk a little bit about the impending Amazing Spider-Man 700 and the controversy that is going on with poor Dan Slott. To talk about uh, JSA The Liberty Files, the one thing I've read this week, The Whistling Skull. Uh, And then we'll throw a couple of comics things out there. we got some movie stuff. We've all seen The Hobbit now. We... Two of you, I think, have seen the Star Trek Into Darkness nine minutes. Yes. We can talk about 40 FPS. I've seen Les Mis. Can you hear the people sing? Sounds oh, oh, and oh, and Rick's pulled up a, a slide from the. Uh, that's is that what Star Trek? That's Star Trek into darkness. darkness in it's a cartoon in now. Forty-eight FPS. Yeah, so wow, Spock like flattens everything. Zach, out. Zach Quinto looks even more like. <laughs> that's such a Moy. bizarre picture. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about TV, and then we'll go home. Oh no! More importantly, we have a great interview tonight. So uh, we yes, did, we, we did mention uh, we've mentioned for weeks that last night the nineteenth at uh, Elusive Comics and Games. 2725 El Camino Real Suite 104 in Santa Clara, California. I'm sorry, it felt pretty good to say that again. Uh, it, they had Derek Robertson, the artist on Happy, uh, the artist of co-creator of The Boys, and I don't know if he gets to be, if he's co-creator or just the fantastic artist on the entire run of Transmetropolitan. I'm going to go with co-creator status because he did a hell of a lot of w- world building in that. I think the actual creator might, might, might deck you or... 
Um, it's Warren Ellis. He's he, he he's too drunk to throw a punch. Okay. So uh, wow. maybe yeah. edit that part out, Rick. No, no, no. It's okay. I can edit <laughs> Warren Ellis. He'll he'll take it as a joke. Uh, so anyway, we've got an interview with Derek Robertson. Turned out to be a super nice guy, even though he spells his name wrong. Wrong. Uh, that's okay. Uh, so he would argue that he spells his name correctly. No, actually, wrong. what he argued was that's how his mother spelled it. Sorry, man. Sorry. Don't get don't get testy. <laughs> anyway, so we have this interview with Derek Roberts. You want to th- you want to throw that in now, or do you want to throw that in after we've talked some comments? Let's go ahead and do that, and then we'll come back with news and uh, okay, fantastic. Stuff. So Nate was there last night as well. Got several books. Uh, I books did. Signed. Happy one, two, and three signed. Oh, first. Are they first prints? First prints oh. each. So very exciting. So I got my happy three signed, and uh, the I went ahead and bought the first trade paperback of the boys because I figured now that's the time. I've said I was going to read it in trades. Now I'm going to do it. My okay. first trade is, is the boys. It's almost, done. It is done. It's done. Okay, so I can uh, I can buy it too now. Yeah. So we can all, <laughs> together we shall move forward. Just a bit of warning. I don't know if they're going to be incorporated in the graphic novels, but you do need to read the side stories. The ones I'm that sure are they, outside I, of the I'm general sure, numbering. I'm sure that they will be incorporated in. Some of them are pretty long, so I'm sure they might they be their own graphic novels. In which case, it's still numbered, please. Dynamite is brilliant. Yes. It's brilliant at packaging. I just want to – don't skip those. So, I have no intention of that. You know what else I don't want to skip? The interview with Derek Robertson. So let's play it. All right. We are here with Derek Robertson. Currently the artist of Happy, but you may also know him from Trans Metropolitan, Ron Wolverine, right? And The Boys, which just came to an end. So you're here at Elusive Comics and Games 2725 El Camino Real, Suite 104 in Santa Clara, California. Thanks to Anna Warren Sebrian for letting us talk to Derek, who is busily signing away on Happy Number 3 as well. So uh, let us begin with how'd the signing go for you tonight? It was really nice. I always enjoy uh, stores where there's clearly a established customer base and a relationship with the owner and Anna's really great with everybody so I had a really great time and it was a very warm and friendly uh, reception. All right. Now of the uh, creators that you've been most associated with right now you've gone through Warren Ellis, Garth Ennis, Grant Morrison. Sound like I'm picking them off. No, no. I was thinking about this and it was just interesting. It's like you've you've worked with some of these really... uh, and I, when I say out there, it's with high praise. These really uh, incredibly intellectual yes. comic book writers. And if we could say comic book, it's still. Uh, <laughs> so, so how did they get, let's go back, how did they come to you? Did you go to them? Um, it's funny because they weren't all the big deals that we were all kind of on the same echelon when we, we started to hang out and get to know one another. So what they would become known for was yet to be, like Warren was kind of a wallflower, like I was at Marvel in D.C. back in the mid-90s. I met Garth uh, around the same time uh, through Warren, and uh, I met Grant uh, similarly at that time, and we were all just kind of, Vertigo was the place to be, and we had just kind of come over there and gotten going. Um, So our, our friendships go back a lot further than our working careers. So part of the reason, and you know, and uh, when I was at Garth Ennis's wedding, I got taken aside by a lot of the artists that uh, they're all known for working with, and I got a Guinness put in my hand and, and toasted as an honorary Brit. So I took that as a wow, that's as a deep compliment because Steve Dillon and John McRae and Steve Pugh and. Have you been allowed a sober moment since? Uh, not when I'm in England. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, and as we were signing away on the boys, before we talk about happy, the boys coming to an end. Yeah. Um, so any reflections at this point from the from the tail end? You can look back and see what would be the high point of that. Uh, the high point is right now. I'm really happy. Is probably there's something very special about what's going on with that book and that. It's the third time I've co-created with a high-profile you know, writer and had it be really successful. It's uh, a company I haven't worked with before. Um, it's been a really, what's the word I'm looking for, real satisfying collaboration. There's There's been very little politics, a lot of uh, good energy, and we've had nothing but people respond to what, you know, way better than I even anticipated. Uh, it started selling out the moment it hit the stands. It's Every issue's been already heading straight to second printings. I've not experienced anything with quite that enthusiasm. With the boys, with Transmed, it was a little bit more of a building of an audience, and this one seemed to have people eager for it. So I've really been enjoying this experience more than anything. And also it's four issues, so I'll be done with it soon and <laughs> able to kind of like breathe a sigh of relief and hopefully a job well done. Okay. So when you talk about co-creating with Grant Morrison, how does that that work? Did he come with you and say to you and say, like, I, I have this idea for a, a blue feathered horse. Yeah, actually, it was kind of like that. And you oh, were uh, talking with Adam McKay yeah, about the down, boys. I was and down in Los Angeles for a meeting, and the meeting got pushed back. Um, and coincidentally, this is last December, um, I have a mutual friend, a guy I'm actually collaborating with on my next project, uh, a guy named Adam Egypt Mortimer, and uh, he's a mutual friend of Grant and I's. And he said, you know, Grant's in town, and he'd like to talk to you about a project. I hope you don't mind. I kind of told him you were you had an availability because I just wrapped it. I was just wrapping up Butcher and I wasn't going to return to the monthly on the boys. So um, I had time and Adam put us in touch. And so I ended up over at, with my meeting getting pushed back a few hours, I ended up in Grant's apartment uh, later that day. And he moves about between New York, uh, Los Angeles, and, uh, and Scotland. So it, the fact that he was in town was a coincidence. Yeah. And um, so I went over to his place, and, we, and he told me the pitch for Happy. And, and at the time, he had a different vision for what Happy was going to look like. Uh, Happy was originally going to be something more like a My Little Pony-type character and about the size of a small dog. And uh, as we got into it and really got into the evolution of the sketches and things like that, I, I just wasn't feeling it. I have a drawing I did of the original idea of what Happy would look like, and neither one of us was feeling it was right. And then I went back almost simultaneously, like good as good collaborators will do. We kind of both had a similar idea. And so when I contacted him, I said, I think about making him a different kind of animal, like maybe more like a donkey. And he goes, I was thinking the same thing. So we both liked that idea, and then Happy started to become what he would ultimately be. He started off a lot cuter, and he got a little more manic-looking as I got into more comfortable. Do you hear his voice him. in your head as you draw him? Sort of. I see him more than I hear him, but he definitely... It's, it's My experience with Happy has been such that his physical presence as artwork in my life and on my drawing board is not unlike what he does for the lead character in the book. So I'm sort of vicariously living the book in that I was in a very kind of like, I wasn't in a great place when I started the book.
but as I went on, like he sort of like it would just cheer me up to go down and 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 draw him and create him. He whenever he would appear on pages, it would just make my day better. So happy literally made me happy. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. And have you had conversations with the RZA about? Uh Trying to move forward because I know he had publicly said he wants to adapt. No, he's it. he's apparently he's very enthusiastic about it. I've heard good things. Um, I'm the word I last heard was that when I'm next down in LA, he would like to meet with me. So I'm hoping that I'll get to shake his hand and say hello and and hear all of his great ideas about how he's going to make me filthy rich. <laughs> so you have no objections to being made filthy rich? I wouldn't. I would, oh Lord, <laughs> won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? <laughs> Can you talk about? You mentioned there's a next project, so I know you got to yeah, wrap up. I got a couple in the in the works that I can talk about. Okay. Um, the next immediate one is uh, for a new company called Black Mask, which is a offshoot of Epitaph Records. They're going into a new. They're they're going to try to tackle comics in a whole new way, and we're going to do a comic called Ballistic, and uh, it's about. It's going to be the closest thing I've had to a, a world building, like transmetropolitan since Transmetropolitan, where I'm going to create an entire world as well as characters with uh, my writer. and But his ideas are very forward-thinking in that it's like a world that's uh, you know more genetically manipulated and uh, appliances are living creatures. Okay. And, it's, and, his, and it, I, I, the less I say, the better at this stage because it's going to be, we're, we're shooting to have it out in March and uh, it's, when you see it, you'll understand, but it, it's something that needs to be seen rather than described, I think. Okay. And and then after that, it's Oliver with uh, Gary Witta, the creator of the Book of Eli. Oh, okay, yes. He's a good friend of mine, and we have had, and that'll be my next book for Image, and we're hoping to get that out by next summer. Oliver, like uh, it's based Oliver on, Twist? Yes, it's a, it's a uh, steampunk futuristic interpretation of... Oliver Twist, but done in a post-apocalyptic London, and uh, the whole idea behind that is the, they created these clone soldiers with superpowers to win the war, but now they're just sort of like collateral mm-hmm. human beings with nowhere to go, so they live in this radiated part of London and are kind of kept down, and... Uh, they're not allowed to reproduce or anything. They're actually genetically designed so they can't. But then, in the midst of all of this, a half-human super soldier, which is Oliver, is born and immediately becomes a fugitive of the government. As they try to keep him hidden, they try. They, once they get wind of him, he's uh, becomes public enemy number one because if they can reproduce, then all hell's going to break loose. Okay. So look forward to that next. Summer. Yeah, well, from image. If all goes well, yes. All right. Next summer is the target date. All right. Well, Derek, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> yes, Derek and Derek, who very rarely meet. Derek's do not come together in the comments really that much. There's so. There has to be a uh, pentagram on the floor. And we are surrounded by a ring of salt. Some... <laughs> so, uh, we shall turn this back over to the regular Fanboy Planet podcast already in progress. All right, so uh, let's start with uh, now that we've had this fantastic uh, interview with Derek Robertson, super nice guy, uh, and I hope we'll become a long-term friend of Fanboy Planet. We shall support Derek Robertson and everything. Um, we did get a a piece of fanny mail, so okay. do you want to give us a... Let's do it. All right. It's not uncanny. We've got fanny mail. Someday I'd love to just like play with GarageBand and let's get like a five-part I just harmony need, I it. just need to take that clip and then process it a little bit, maybe auto-tune you. 
That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. because Because I anyway, don't have a singing voice. So we got an email from Brian Kent. Uh, who friend of the program. program, friend of the program. Well, long time listener. Okay, I'm a little slow on this one, but when I was listening to the 1920s Fairmont episode, I had a couple of things <laughs> nice. I wanted to email about. But it was only a couple of weeks ago, so that was fair. Yeah, no, not that slow. No, 1920s um, were only a few weeks ago. First of all, uh, first off, glad I didn't order anything. I wouldn't want you to know about uh because yes i i, I do get, get a list amazon says what is what is shipped oh nice but he'd forgotten that he had actually emailed me and told me he had ordered those <laughs> things so i was just saying i didn't know you got a list of the titles of what i ordered but glad you got your kickback but seriously how much of a kickback do you get if it was enough to pay for your drinks at the fairmont bar i thought you'd only get a buck or two the blu-rays were not that expensive so let me again reiterate what i said in email I was kidding when I said that Brian Kent bought us drinks at <laughs> the Fairmont. He b- bought us drink. <laughs> he bought us drink. No, he, he, didn't, even be, he didn't even buy us drink. Even drink. Uh, he paid for an ice cube. No, uh, that was just honestly. And the Fairmont's not a cheap bar. No, too, and so. I, that was honestly just, uh, you know, we do joke about uh, the expenses at Fanboy Planet, which are legitimately expensive, and everybody here at this table is doing it for the love of you having to listen to our voices, not because we're actually getting paid. The love of the game. And so the joke the, the joke wasn't. It was just that I felt like, uh, since we didn't have Chris Garcia there and so forth, and it was a fair amount of nice place, I wanted to, that was kind of the holiday. Thank you, And you, you were guys. wearing a suit. I was wearing a suit, and uh, it was kind of just a, hey, thank you, and, and even bought fries for Debbie Brettschneider since she lets us podcast here. It was kind of my little way of saying Merry Christmas guys. There you go. Not Brian, thanks for the money. Woohoo, we're going to <laughs> we're, we're going, going to Fairmont. Uh so anyway, they 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 weren't that expensive. But then so that does remind me, hey, you know, that I'm gonna leave that list up if you uh there's Chris, good stuff on there's that. There's some list. good stuff on that page that has all the podcast order stuff. So And the that. extra items that you added. Oh, I added a lot, yeah. So then next, when you were talking about Tron, I was yelling at my iPhone a couple of times. I love when that happens. I like when he listens through his iPhone. Yes. First (laughs) uh, off, the animated show is Tron Uprising, which I think we did correct at at eventual time. Yes, we got it eventually. Tron Uprising. And in the movie, the ISOs and the world of Tron is not the internet. They were in a closed system there in Flynn's arcade that he was building and trying to make the perfect system. And so that is, I want to thank him for that correction because I think my confusion has been in the first Tron, it was the internet before there was an internet. Like it was still ARPANET. ARPANET. We We weren't talking about the internet in 1984. Right. But it was, it was slowly building so i got confused honestly a lot of tech companies and and uh we're, schools we're communicating. And, no no, no and i know scientific but it uh, wasn't it wasn't in the standard vernacular people didn't no. see that happening we understood i i think even i was aware at that time of a modem but like i my mac i don't think i had a mac at that point i didn't have a computer so I didn't get one of the a computer till eighty seven, I think. Your typewriter didn't compute that. My computer. and it did not dial up on the uh, and get a whistling. And sound you had a lot of a lot of communication with what we would actually consider file sharing nowadays, where right. where huge banks of information. Well, how I used to communicate was uh, I would write letters and I would put these things called stamps on envelopes, and they would go, and that was it. Um, and so it took a couple days at least. It did. And uh, so what did I did you get a tracking number or something for it? No, we didn't. Oh. It, was, it was primitive. Wow! I tell you, they were you horrible were so times. Old. They were horrible <laughs> times. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, so I, that was my confusion. It somehow it kind of escaped my mind in in Legacy that the grid was supposed to be a closed system, mm-hmm. and I guess and part of it was because they were still treating the grid the same way they treated everything in in, in the first one. Because yeah. in Tron, you had uh, Ram, the famous uh, actuarial program who died on the. Uh, in the games, you know, was was an insurance program, and so its legacy still felt like oh, they were still taking these programs from other places, right. and and that's what I say when when Tron didn't make sense. Like it always bothered me. Like when Ram dies, is, didn't the bank that was using that program notice that like it, their computers were down or something that that the, the, the computer that the program had died yeah. <laughs> well i mean it would just be explained by you know there's a computer error and the program and, just and mcp would go through again i and by I, the I, way there's a new war program in there instead yes would you like to play a game so so, so the have you been watching uprising i am behind on uprising i watched the first couple of episodes i really enjoyed it's, it it's and then very I just, very different from any of the movies I, I, it doesn't even fit well as a prequel to to uh legacy no because uh, the, the the characters have a lot more personality and um Wait, well, quirkiness but see, but see and... i think that that was only hinted at at legacy because one you're stuck with clue yeah um and whatever jeff bridges was told to do with clue is you know there was something very remote uh, about clue and i think he was trying to differentiate between that and and being kevin flynn but when you got zeus uh, Michael Sheen was the you know David Bowie uh, yeah, a lot of insane days yeah. you know there was a a hint of there was a nightlife which still doesn't make sense to me but that's okay um, and personality and so yes what I've watched on Uprising same thing it's like there's all there's all these communities what's going yeah. on with this I mean yeah. they have a culture and society and so I'm glad they were filling in that story um, and the game does it too um, I don't have uh, I don't have evolution I have the battle. But it has story to it, and so uh-huh. you know this is it is uh, hooked Kid McCaw in. He and he's watched Uprising all the way through, and he is absolutely, absolutely hooked. I love Tron. the I love the animation, I love the art that they've done. I like in the that. style. Yeah. I like it. I, I like everything about it. I just I just like I, a lot of things. Had no time, and I'm trying to catch up. I have two weeks. I'm on vacation, and I have a lot of work and a lot of rewrites to do. What are you doing here? You should be watching TV at home. <sighs> okay, yeah. Well, sorry, I. I sh- I don't know. Rick, the podcast is important. I, guess so. I like you guys. All right, okay. whatever. Stop. Anyway, uh, and the last thing is that you said, so, um, and Brian Kent has said that if we ever need someone to jump in sometime, he's happy to come down and, and cool. be here. I, you know, I, I just said if, we, if we're in a public place again and we know. We did post we, multiple times then, yeah. that yeah. we would be there and nobody showed up. Okay, I'm sorry. Or if they did, they're they too embarrassed to say they, they couldn't don't find what, us. They don't know what we look like. Uh, is the uh, well? Is I think the, the people that were in the corner recording something would probably be the people to. Yeah, we'd be pretty easy to find. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. <laughs> Look for the guy with the bow tie. Oh, that's right. I, yeah, and I had a bow tie, yeah. and, and, I, and I thank Deb for taking a photo and reminding me again. I gotta lay off the C's holiday chocolates. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Uh, no, it just hurts. Uh, so uh, wait, and we got another email actually from. Uh, it was actually a Facebook posting, not on the Fanboy Planet. Podcast, podcast page, but uh, from my niece, uh, making a call out to the fan to to the boys of the podcast uh, for for sci fi knowledge. Can someone, anyone, tell me why Chekhov is wearing ship services slash engineering red? I'm so confused. 
I think she means for the new movie trailer, but uh, in in Star Trek Into Darkness. But I can't remember. Is there justification? Because Chekhov was wearing. Doesn't he wear gold in the original series? Oh my! Um, See, uh oh, oh. We've desorlacked ourselves. You're Luckily. on your Star Trek wiki page, Rick. Uh, yeah, Chekhov's not in this picture. Oh no, he's in yellow. Yeah, he's in yellow. I like in the original his name TOS, he's Chekhov, in the original series. But he can't say V's when he's uh, talking. Wector, Wector. It's, no. it's life's cruel irony. Nuclear vessels. Yeah. Nuclear vessels. There we go. It, it, I think that's it, just we don't know what anybody is going going on in 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 the uh, you can make movie. a you can make a case that navigation is extension of engineering but engineering is also it's well, re- red and, and when you went to tng when you went to tng wasn't jordy also i mean he was a navigator at first but became uh but went into engineering because he would i what yeah, I know TNG. So there's a big crossover. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's that's what it is, Alyssa. Is that uh, every now and then companies reorganize their people into different sections, and and if and, you're lucky, you still have a job. Yeah, if you're lucky, you, happened. You, you, <laughs> I mean, not that it's happening. We're not reorganizing here. Uh, you know, Star Trek it, but, universe uh, is uh, buying but, the Farscape universe. Okay, oh, there's a little duplication. Interesting. There. So uh, yeah, that's what I'd say. Th- thank you. And. Uh, good to note and figure you know i don't know i'm i i watch and i don't pay enough attention to these things i admit i just don't, i i'm i'm not going to live or die by this i just want to uh you know you know the, the real the real reason they had all those colors in tos was because they wanted to have a color balance on the bridge they were they 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 went for the primary colors to brighten yeah. up things make things look futuristic right and i don't think they really had a good sense of it they weren't thinking they beginning. weren't thinking and so maybe it's jj abrams was trying to make things in line with tng yeah it does bring up a chance to say and i i didn't get a chance to both say because it's my first day off i i braved the mall what? uh the actual shopping mall and uh but i did get a thing this morning that uh star trek the video game coming out in april and uh, which will bridge the first J.J. Abrams movie second. and then Into Darkness. So Interesting. I, I don't know much at this point, like plot-wise, but I know that Chris so Pine... So an adventure game? It's an adventure game. I know okay. that Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto do voice Kirk and Spock. I'll have some screenshots up, I hope, tomorrow, a chance to, cool. to put a little piece together. But if you pre-order where at whatever place, GameStop or who else normally does this, well, actually even Walmart Best and Target Buy. are in the yeah, game. Yeah, Target does it. And Best Buy Fries. are in. There are, uh, I believe, 10 different uniforms and weapons that come as a bonus if you pre-order Ooh. the game. Hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll have what I understand up on the web tomorrow uh, in time for uh this podcast to be live uh but that that was the kind of thing where i was like i got that and went yes hmm should i put that as a late last minute christmas gift uh or or maybe not because at least they're in communication with us we may get a chance to take a look at this game before yeah but do you think out. it's it's not gonna come out before christmas so it's like no kind no, no. Of a lame it's christmas it's, it's gonna be april yeah. xbox uh uh it'll, it'll be available for xbox 360 and ps3 and so speaking of lame christmas presents so i was at walmart and noticed you know how there's an angry bird star wars Yes. 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 There is an Angry Birds Star Wars action figure pack, which, in time for Christmas, recreates the Kenner send away for the action figures. No oh way. no! <laughs> because we don't have them yet. The figures are actually in the box, but I thought that was hilarious that they had recreated That's that nice. that first 
Lame Christmas when Kenner was not ready for action figures. Right. I almost bought it just for the value of that. Did you see the episode of Toy Hunter where the guy had one of those? Yeah. Those go for big bucks now. I've got those Toy Hunters banked. Oh, and somebody... I've got to actually go contact him on Facebook. So there's a chance to, again, say, when you're emailing, we are not the people we interview. Ah. And I need people to understand that. that. No, because someone emailed. I'm getting a lot of traffic from our interview. And to think, oh, my God, there's a live butterfly in that jar. Um, (laughs) You've never seen that jar before? (laughs) No. It's it's magic. I see now that I see there's a filament. It's a robot butterfly. Oh, dear God. Um, So, anyway, uh, you know, I almost passed on the interview with Jordan Hembro, but we get so much traffic on that every day. That's like our that's like our number one article. Who's Jordan Hembro? Oh, the, the toy, toy hunter. hunter guy. Okay, okay, the toy hunter. I was like, wait, and that like, name I, sounds I almost, familiar. I, I just uh, almost bypassed that, and the Travel Channel kept like sending me emails going, "Come on, you sure, yeah. you sure you don't want to talk to this guy." I'm like, "All right." And then he was really cool to talk to. And don't get me wrong, it was I was so glad I had a conversation with him, and I enjoyed the show. But just to let people know. I don't have any – you have as much ability to get a hold of Jordan Hembro as I do. We're not buddies, you know? So yeah. somebody wrote in asking, oh, they're asking me, you questions asking about me Jordan. a picture, no, thinking I'm Jordan. Oh, don't confuse an interview. So just just an occasion, occasional reminder. I, one, even if I do have contact information for people, I don't give it out because that's right. like, you know – Attorney-client privilege. But yeah. in this case, in, in particular, it was another travel channel uh, called me. With Jordan on the other line, so you know it, it's like I, I have no way. Right, of, you don't have a way of contacting. I, you know, I so I may put it up there on his Facebook page and say, "Hope, hey, somebody wrote in to me about this." But uh, again, just the occasional reminder: uh, the very few of these celebrities are actually our friends. Sean Becker is at least Nate's, um, you know. So, uh, but th- that that's it. Um, and so, because I want to mention that the Holliston uh, Christmas special. Uh, is up this week on Hulu. I did not realize that Holliston was on Hulu, so now I'm going to spend some time over the next couple of days catching up on that show. That's the horror sitcom for FearNet, uh, right. the the uh, satellite channel uh, that Sean Becker is a uh, supervising producer on. He's the director of the Guild and has been a guest on the show a couple of times. Uh, but what I why the Holliston Christmas special is, I know we're kind of going out of order because we're winging it today, uh, is uh, of worthy note because another friend of, uh, of, of mine, long time, Derek Mears, who was Jason in the last Friday the 13th, is uh, apparently has a recurring role as a bumbling policeman uh, in, on Holliston. So he has a nice, funny, long extended bit on this Christmas special, which I, I did watch a couple of days ago. So funny show. And uh, basically, anything, watch that. anything that really... combines Derek Mears and D. Snyder from Twisted Sister, it's That's awesome. a win in my book. It's a win. So let's talk some comics, shall we? We jumped around a little bit, but uh, we're all caught up as, as caught up as can be on Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man number 700 comes out next week. The last issue of Amazing Spider-Man before the book relaunches. Nay, no, no, no. Before the character relaunches as the superior Superior. Spider-Man. And already Dan Slott is getting death threats. People. Grow up. People. It's not just grow up. Dude, it's like. Get a little perspective. But This is what, you know, Michael Goodson pointed out a long time ago. He stopped reading comics. And I believe Rick has echoed this. Is that, you know, 
the stories you love, the version of Spider-Man you love still exists, mm-hmm. either in back issues or trade paperbacks. Um, I just or novels, even or movies, e- even my being disappointed, say, say in Spider-Man, uh, you know, uh, or or in the upcoming Superman, Man of Steel. I don't have high hopes, but it doesn't change my enjoyment of all the Superman stories that came before. that I do absolutely love. Sure, and and that's not to say I won't that I know I won't love Man of Steel. I might be pleasantly surprised. And even if I'm not pleasantly surprised, eh, okay, so I got a Superman movie. Great, yeah. cool. And you know what? If you don't like it, you can ignore it, just like Superman 4. And you when was see- the last time you watched Superman 4? Uh, when I got that the five- 10 K- the, yeah. <laughs> the Same 10 case, I did watch a little of it. And you thought, oh, I, I remember why I hate this movie. I watched the deleted scenes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. But yes, exactly. So I can always go back and watch the greatest Superman movie ever made. All-Star Superman. Yeah. That's the best. Well, I love that story. I do. But I still go for, I can watch the greatest Superman movie ever made, the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. Because, you know, I mean, again, you're jumping around. The thing is, it's like nobody, nobody is going to beat Christopher Reeve. And that was, you know, sorry, that guy will always be. And as much as I like all sorts of Superman, the guy voicing that is, it's not Christopher Reeve. Yeah. And, you know, Tom Welling, not Christopher Reeve. Gerard Christopher, who played Superboy in the second season, came very close. Okay. Came very close. Uh, but that's it. Okay, so... Uh, so Spider-Man 700, Dan Slott getting death threats. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, can we talk about what's been leading up to? You know, that... Let's do it. Are you caught up? I'm now? caught up. Dr. Yeah, Octopus... The, the books are not, uh, not Doc, new this week, so... Dr. Octopus has switched minds, apparently, with... Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker is is trapped in a frail, dying body. Octopus body. That is Dr. Otto Octavius, while Oct- uh, Otto Octavius' mind is in control of young Peter Parker, who is now putting the moves on Mary Jane again, fighting crime in a far more efficient manner, he <laughs> believes. Um, and there's no doubt that that's why he's, su- he's going to be the superior Spider-Man. Uh, not that that... I'm not saying he is a superior Spider-Man. It's that that's why he would consider himself that. Superior. Um, A very pretentious, pompous Mm -hmm. character, but also making a couple of good points. Like, why are you moping around when there's this gorgeous redhead who clearly keeps circling around? Just pull the damn trigger, you know? And and even the, you know, treat Aunt May, don't treat her with tender hooks, but there's some tenderness towards her. Which was, that actually makes sense to me, too. Again, you know, going back to the early 70s when he almost married. Yes. With my favorite cover. <laughs> with this ring, I, the, I think he married her. Yeah, I think I he the did. web. Um, yes. I remember that cover and going, what? In the 7-Eleven? <laughs> Doc Ock is going to marry Aunt May? Yeah. I'm not sure who they are, but it's shocking. <laughs> uh, I was young. Uh, and... Uh, you know that he has affection for. I've never always understood all the continuity of that, but that he has affection for May. Um, it, this sounds jovial, like I'm all for Peter Parker dying. But uh, uh, I think that's careful that people don't like that you, when you say that. I'm going to get a death threat. Yeah. I'm not all for it. I think it's all. Uh, I already know how. Yeah, I let's you, just put it in an envelope. Believe I believe know. I have the solution. I believe I know what's going on. Yes. I should write it down. Put it in an envelope. It should be locked away. So that you, we can put it on the podcast when when the revelation of what's really going on comes out, 
I will be able to uh, say, ha ha, I told you so. Okay. It's a shame they killed Dan Slott. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. But, you know, Jerry Con. did you see Jerry Conway's tweet? Uh, Jerry Conway is the guy that wrote Spider-Man 121. And, and yes, 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 yes. Yes. And he said, it's a, you know, I'm so glad we threw Gwen off the bridge before the internet. Yeah. And I think, that's it. Guys, their job is to tell a good story. Telling a good story. Now, we may not agree with them on what constitutes a good story. Right. But it's still, that's their job. It's not to give you what you think you want. Yeah, these are the same guys who probably shouldn't be caring about the current storyline because it's all Mephisto having undone the previous storyline where they were right, married. Go back. And so they're probably still upset about that. So why are they upset about this storyline that they don't care about just write in a fanfic yeah. write what you want to have happen exactly. and that's fine you know create your own spider-man and you know what 90 percent of them who write their own story lame story that's <laughs> that's true but well um you know and and it's not the you know, well yeah i i because i'm thinking about all the lame things that have been done to spider-man and this is what's getting death threats yeah you're right mephisto no um yeah Go back to the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars. Let's go back to when Spider-Man gave birth to himself and suddenly had uh, biological web shooters because it matched the movie, and then those went away mysteriously. Yeah, and but they still exist. The and the Stinger still exists, but they don't exist anymore. Right. They just exactly. they just quietly went away. Um, come on, people, 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 people. And I mean. Get upset that you bought Amazing Spider-Man 699.1 thinking you were getting a Spider-Man, Spider-Man story. story. <laughs> uh, but don't get upset we because... We told everyone it was we, not a Spider-Man and, story. And I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the Morbius the Living Vampire number zero that it actually is. <laughs> uh, and whatever it takes to get Joe Keating to have a top-selling comic book, I'm That's all for right. it. Yeah, Because uh, Joe's a nice guy, absolutely deserves it, and is a good writer, deserves the success. But that was not a Spider-Man story. So anyway... Uh, yeah, and here's another one, a bait and switch I want to throw out there. DC's doing the same thing. Another bait and switch, which is the... Uh, excuse me. This is the sounds of Derek stretching to reach a car. Derek is reaching under the table. Uh, you okay there, big guy? One of the, I'm pretty flexible and limber. Okay, good. Um, and loud. J- I, I want it to be... I wanted, This is audio. Hold it up for the camera. I don't know if you're aware, <laughs> This was Rick, the equivalent of opening the closet radio. door and everything's filling yes, out. Yes, it, it's Fibber McGee and McGall. Don't open that! Yeah, okay. Yeah. There it is. Okay, and later, Rick and I will recreate the Bickersons. <laughs> uh, so what I'm holding up for the camera, which doesn't exist, is the JSA Liberty Files. The Whistling Skull, number one, um, which was is written by B. Claymore and Tony Harris. Now... Uh, the JSA Liberty Files that existed as an Elseworlds years ago when they did Elseworlds, this does not actually have an Elseworlds. An Elseworlds uh, con- it just has the banner of saying it's a story of the Liberty Files. Um, Tony Harris co-created this concept uh, back uh, at the beginning of the 21st century. Can you think back that long? That long? Yeah. Uh, that long? Tony Harris long years being, ago. of course, uh, one of the major artists on uh, Starman. Uh, and uh, the artist on Ex Machina, uh, f- with which Brian K. Vaughn uh, wrote for, uh, not yeah, Vertigo. Um, Is he the guy that writes Saga? Yes, that's a damn good comic. Yes, I know, but that's a, that's a. I don't want to get too far from the oh. artist, Tony Harris. Created, uh, and now he's got this one with uh, B. Claymore, uh, who had uh, written a series, a really cool series. I think it was for Image. May have been for Oni called Hawaiian Dick, 
and it's about a about a private detective in kind of a alternate universe 50s hawaii so early statehood but all the tiki gods are still active on the on on the the uh, state and uh, it's just really cool really really fun fun book uh so i like b clay more um and then this is it rick and i were talking about this be- before the podcast so here you got the jsa rick's asking me if i've caught up with earth 2 which ha- which is the official new 52 version of the justice JSA. society though they have not yet come and called any of them the justice uh, society they're not even they're like wonders they call they're them wonders yeah which is harkening back to there was an age of wonders yeah else worlds where they were the 1890s the steampunk version of the uh of the justice league right so you've got this and again again i thought the ostensible defense of creating the new 52 is again streamline it pander to new people to get them in and make it easy to jump in and therefore you've you've ended old fans by creating this new justice society that no one seems to enjoy additionally confusing green lantern when you relaunch green lantern and you come up with a new green lantern that's all hell jordan as well and now you've got this Green Lantern in the. How it hurts! One. Yeah, how it hurts! Yeah. Uh, and then, we, and then, so now we have this Elseworlds Justice Society set back in the forties, where they're not really superheroes. They all they're all spies with code names and interesting abilities. So, the main ones were Our Man, who is known as the Clock, uh, and Doctor Midnight is known as the Owl, and Wildcat is there as the Cat. Um, for a minute there, I, from the look at it, I'd been a while since I read the first series. I, I thought that maybe it was actually Catman, and I, I was almost hmm. cool. I mean, you might as well. If, yeah. you, if you're creating an alternate universe, just use the characters sure. that look the coolest and make the most sense, in, and then you can adapt their costumes into World War II kind of things, like the Captain America outfit in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, it's called The Whistling Skull, because there's this character called The Whistling Skull, who this series is really about. And my theory is... That B. Claymore had this, uh, and Tony Harris had this idea for a character called the Whistling Skull. I can't figure out if there is a regular, if there's an old JSA association with that character. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. I yeah. got nothing. And so I think they came up with this really cool character called the Whistling Skull. Uh, Which and- is, you know, what's sad about this though, because I did not see that banner, that red on kind of brown banner at the top that said uh-huh. the JSA. Yeah. And so I had not read it. the previous ones. I saw the Whistling Skull. I saw a bunch of characters I didn't know. And I said, yeah. Then, Rick, I'm going to say, go back to, to whichever store you go to uh-huh. in our area. Elusive. Hijinks. Hijinks, right? But I'm going to shout out to all the ones that we go to. Yeah. Heroes, why not? Yeah. And if you're in L.A., I ran two. into uh, um, the guy who used to own Heroes. Now he's out at Car- Comics and Comics. Um, no, there's no comics and comics anymore. Or comics conspiracy, comics collector shop, comics collector shop, comics collector shop. Uh, what was his name? Phil. Phil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saw uh, at the movies. Any of those places. There's so many great. Uh, I'll even give it a shout out. Please go ahead. Wherever you pick it up, pick up the JSA. Oh, sorry. Uh, Nate says no. Uh, JSA Liberty Files. Someday he might. I might want him to carry a book I've written. You know, so that'd be nice. Uh, the Whistling Skull. A great. Is a cool story. So he's okay. he is this kind of uh, uh, he's a, he's a British agent. He looks like a zombie. He's a British agent, but it's a mask, uh-huh. and I can't figure that part out either. He is a is a British agent, um, and there's the implication that there's been whistling skulls f- before, and each new whistling skull absorbs the knowledge 
and memories of the one before. It's a Time Lord. Uh, they've died in no, no, but it's very it's like there's a reference to somebody saying like at this battle where the where your predecessor was and like all the de- and and he gets this wave of depression because he uh. has all those memories, but he is clearly not it because we've seen this guy as a child, okay. he has a flashback, and he has this friend who's kind of weird as a kid and has now grown up to be this kind of very simpleton. It's almost like the uh, George and Lenny of superheroes. So his this kid who was kind of weird and out there and kind of kept within the garden gate as a child in London is now this super human, uh, super strong guy that, that that follows the whistling skulls orders to a T and they travel around in this looks like a, a modified airstream trailer. Um, so weird for uh, for a World War Two story, but cool. And then there's a little framing sequence with the rest of the JSA. And I'm like, so it really isn't a JSA story, but it's an interesting, cool kind of pulp yeah. pulp story that I think you would enjoy quite a bit. And yes, DC completely bobbled the marketing because you missed the the thing that would have drawn you in. Which was JSA. Which was JSA. Yeah. But you would totally love this story. Yeah. So... You and know, why does this have the JSA label and Earth 2 does not? I, because they're not the JSA? I, I don't guess. know. The whole thing upsets me. I guess. So, we need to get James Robinson in here to explain. All right, James. Gone and thrown down. All right. I think you would enjoy coming here. We <laughs> have a little wine at the Brett Cave. Sure. Have a lot of James wine. Le- okay, have a lot of wine. Okay. Um, Somebody will need to drive He was more a scotch or a bourbon. Guy. Okay. Um, so any other comics things you want to you bring up this week before we go into movies? Saga number eight was good. Okay, I didn't have a chance to read it yet, but of course, we we hit the saga pretty hard. I did. I did see one other thing showed up in uh, stores this week. DC fifty two zero issue omnibus. I did not see that. Oh. Uh, maybe I had a blind spot. That one almost yeah, <laughs> where the stroke was. Uh, yeah, because from uh, up I'm sorry, one. DC, you suckered me into too many. I I did catch up, by the way. And then the latest chapter of Shazam, Curse of Shazam, in the back of Justice League 14. Oh, they continued it? I they thought con- they were... They continued it okay. after the Justice I'm League Zero. I'm behind on that one. Oh, no, okay. Don't catch up. No, it'll just, it'll just hurt you more. <laughs> um, I'm still just like every issue going... Um, and, I, and here's just a quick observation is that the theme of the story I, I'm getting is... That this is an age of where the magic is lost, and so, so Billy Batson and Shazam is going to be the thing that restores magic. But you know, here's the problem, Mister Johns. I'm sorry, can I, I'll call you Mister Johns because I realize you're going to take some offense to what I'm about to say. Is what goes along with magic? What we like? What made us? What made us read? And what made Captain Marvel such a great series from the 1940s on? Is it's not just the magic. It's the wonder. Hey. And there is no wonder in what you're writing. Not even Wonder Woman in Justice League. So how about you restore that? Get rid of the cynicism. Get rid of the gritty realism. And give us something we can believe in again. Mm-hmm. So That makes way too much sense. Nick. I know. I'm sorry. But that that's it. I in know a he's a talented enough writer no to do it. no longer makes sense. I know. And, in, 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 and that's what, you know, that's honestly to get a little political again. In the wake of what happened last week. Uh, you know, just allude is like the things that get me get me through is that I read about characters who stand up in the face of that kind of thing with bravery, with courage, with wonder. And, you know, so 
I'm there. Let's get Wonder back in back in books. Let's talk movies. Wonder was on the screen with The Hobbit. Yes. Yes. The Hobbit. Oh, Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> so we talked about The Hobbit. We want to talk about the Star Trek. Nine minutes of Star Trek. Tell me about it. It's like darkness. seven minutes of heaven yeah. and two minutes of darkness. Okay, go ahead. Yes. No, it's, it was uh, pretty action-packed uh, from the word go. Yeah, they definitely picked a nice scene to show. It's like you've got know, three or four different viewpoints going on at the same time. And mm-hmm. the uh, it, it, it's mid-away mission. It's obviously... I, I don't think this is part of the main film. I think this is like the James Bond pre-episode to the to, to the credits. And J.J. Abrams has said it may not even be how it actually appears when the movie comes yeah. out. He's not done editing. Interesting. The uh, It gets the some of the scenes where we've been kind of wondering about, like there's been some stills or short, quick snappets of uh, Spock standing in the middle of a lava field. And you go, why is he there? And that makes... That's that's explained in this, and uh, we have cool uh, alien world, cool aliens, yeah. cool stuff going on. Prime Directive dealing with the prime Prime Directive. Yes, yeah. Yes. See, so you, you're hitting all the touchstones. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Kirk ignoring the Prime Directive well, as Kirk, usual. Not, and not, that is Star Trek. Not yeah. quite. <laughs> a, you didn't quite you didn't quite ignore the Prime Directive. Um, I did like the the. Uh, what he he went into the society and grabbed something that were all bowing down and stole it but he was in garb so he couldn't be dis- he was disguised so he wouldn't be identified yeah. as being like from an off world yeah. and then he runs out in this jungle and the whole village is chasing him which is what they wanted to have happen because they had to clear the village out because it's about be- to be destroyed by this volcano which is that's it's a pretty cool plot line and then as he's running very deftly jumps up and plants the thing in the tree and it falls down so it's open which st- uh, which stops them out in the middle of the forest and they they're to yeah. see it some of them st- are still chasing them of course because that yeah. has to happen and that's when the volcano goes off so i thought that was that was uh nicely nicely cool. done action mm-hmm. scene but of course you've got a, the other part of it which is spock was the one in the volcano yeah trying to cap it and uh we don't quite know what happens to spock I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I bet he gets out of there. I'm, I'm imagining there's some way that he gets out of there. <laughs> so, But that's good. That's, it sounds like Unless the darkness that they're referring to is everyone going to hell to save Spock from yeah. hell. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh. That'd be the redness. Oh. Yeah. The, um, the burning, the swelling, the itching. I did like the fact that uh, I didn't see a lot of lens flare. I think that, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams has got so much crap. And everybody talks about that, but... You know, There's a lot of it. There is a lot of it. But I don't care. I, I I was fine with it. I J.J. I, Abrams' defense of that artistically, which I like, was saying that like if, it's, if the future is as shiny as Gene Roddenberry was saying, everything should just be everything. Glinting and gl- every, everything. Everyone that, should have to wear sunglasses everything all the No, time. but everything out of the corner of your eye you wish you could spend some time looking at. Yeah. And I thought, no, that, that 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 makes sense to me. My problem with it is always, and especially in his city scenes and stuff, he goes by so much beautiful stuff so fast. I yeah. never really have a chance to admire it. Yeah. And the ship, um, coming up on the ship, the ship is docked in an unusual place. And and as they uh, they come upon the ship, it's really hard to tell what part of the ship you're looking at because it's too close up mm. and at an odd angle. And he mm. did that a lot in the first movie too. Mm. Okay. So I you know I, I I was one of the people, however, who when they did Star Trek the motionless picture, um, 
I did not mind the – I've been a Star Trek fan for years and have been waiting for this movie to come out. And when they did that let's take a trip around the Enterprise uh, thing, that was for me. That was – I was bored. Well, I, I, I would I, – again, I thank Robert Wise who gave us the sound of music, who gave us the haunting. Yeah. West Side Story and then taught me even as a young, young sci-fi fan that just because you see a movie that you've wanted to see – doesn't mean it has to be good. Mm. And so, thank you. I, there are a lot of problems with the movie. But anyway, <laughs> that, that, neither here nor there. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. They did some nice things with three dimensions in that final, when they do the Star Trek Into Darkness, you're looking through the letters to destruction. That I haven't seen that before. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. So I don't know if I'm going to get to see the nine May minutes. 17th. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get to go back and see The Hobbit and see the. the I may take you oh, on. And it's only at the IMAX. The IMAX. Right, so that's 3D. The thing. And I'm assuming, but but we're also talking about the Limaxes, right? The the ones that are not. The digital, uh, the IMAX digital experience like, is where also. You, where did you go? We saw it at the Saratoga 14. Right, so you saw the IMAX digital right. experience, not the full huge thing. I don't no. think that I could take my son to 48 FPS. Is it showing at the Hackworth IMAX right now? Uh, it's showing at the Metreon. At the Metreon in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah, I don't go to the Hackworth. I don't like those. I don't. I don't like the curvature. The only way um, to watch movies in the IMAX, uh, the Hackworth IMAX, is in the last row. You're right, and I, you I can't, if you can't get but, those seats. But I think, that, but I think you go in the 48 that big. Like I took Luke to see uh, John Carter in 3D at the digital IMAX digital experience, uh-huh. and that blew his mind for the realism. You throw three, uh, three forty eight, forty eight FPS, and you put it on the huge IMAX screen, and I think my son will wet himself for two hours and fifty minutes. <laughs> well, at least he won't be taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true because he's be like, ah. just don't get, don't get him that big coke before the movie starts. I've learned that after so many. Uh, <laughs> Both Captain America and Greenland. I don't know what's wrong with me. I do. You drank too much. (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry. That was that moment of of Derek McCaw, nerd father. Uh, (laughs) The nerd father was not that good. So, um, so upcoming uh, Christmas movie that I did see. I don't think much in sci-fi, but I did go see Les Mis, which is like sci-fi because it exists in an alternate universe where everybody sings constantly. And it features it features both Wolverine and Catwoman. Yes. So uh, that's it. And Russell Crowe, oh, Jor-El and Jor-El. So Wolverine, Jor-El, and Catwoman are all in uh, post-revolutionary France. And um, yeah, it was pretty good. But I think if you don't like Les Mis ahead of time, don't go nothing about this film yeah. is going to make you... If you haven't you... read the book, read the book first. No, don't read the book first because <laughs> then we we be long gone from the theaters. But if you like the musical, some things are still standing. Like I, I, I feel I've, I've been remiss. I have not done the research. I don't remember from reading the book uh, why the students are in rebellion. Um, and the movie does nothing to explain that part. It's a huge, I mean, it, Victor Hugo's original novel is this long, long sweeping epic that goes over yeah. like 50 years. And... Uh, so at least the movie does a better job than the stage play of explaining when we've leapt forward in time by putting a title card that says 15 years later. And so you have that to go. Um, and and uh, so I, I've got to say that 
mockery aside, uh, and I got to get this line out that uh, I'm a little bothered by the direction in that they use more Dutch angles than Paul Verhoeven's high school uh, geometry textbook. But uh, it was um, so. There's a lot of that where it's just kind of like, oh, look at how cool the camera work is. And it's like, no, you've got a pretty powerful narrative and some really good actors doing it. Russell Crowe sounds like David Bowie. And I'm trying to figure out why that is. I, I Which album? Did he sing Dance, uh, Magic Dance? Uh, about like, like Ziggy Stardust time. Okay. Um, that both he and Hugh Jackman are are vocally directed to be more nasal than I know that they are. Hmm. Um, because I've seen Hugh Jackman do his stage show, and I've heard from The Boy From Oz, and you know, heard him sing elsewhere. He is normally not that nasal, but he is asked to be nasal here. And part of it is what makes this this musical unique in filming from the way musicals is, is that they actually did sing live on set. Right. They are not post-looped. So it's definitely, I, I will put the, not blame, because it's still very good. It's just very good singing. It's, it's a just, different it just, experience. It's different than what they normally are. Yeah. And it does feel like it's restraining Russell Crowe. Like he would like to really rip loose. But then Javert's not quite the kind of role that, that does that. But what I really like about it is that it is that these huge power ballads that are normally like they bring down the house and right. a thousand people are watching it and you're in the balcony and going, Oh, the epic, the scope are suddenly very small and intimate and quiet, which mm-hmm. is what the emotions really are. They're they're songs of despair of and so personal. And yeah. so Anne Hathaway the audience applauded Tuesday night when I saw it and when she was done with, uh, with I dreamed a dream and, but it's a very quiet, I dreamed a dream. It's mm-hmm. a very different take than you've ever heard before. And it is. Cause she's not trying to play to the last balcony. Right. Seat. It's a, it's all yeah. in close up. This yeah. is a woman just breaking down. And that makes for that song. That makes a lot more sense. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. And the same thing happens with all the Jean Valjean stuff is the is very quiet. These, the, everything is interior monologue is yeah. introspective. Yeah. Close up on Hugh Jackman. Just devastating. Just devastating work. So really happy with that. And cool. Sasha Baron Cohen and uh, Helena Bonham Carter uh, basically lifted out of their roles in Sweeney Todd and placed smack dab heroes right. with Renardiers. I was hoping for Sasha Baron Cohen from uh, Borat. No. no, that would have been great if you got Bruno. <laughs> no, from Hugo. Uh, oh, oh, Hugo. Very close. Uh, okay. but, but really, uh, it is more the Pirelli when Pirelli revealed himself to be Cockney. Right. Davey, whatever his name is. So he's got that, you know. Um, so it was, I thought, a really cool. The nicest touch to me is that the bishop, that is the beginning, and then, and not a spoiler if you know Les Mis, welcomes uh, Jean Valjean into heaven is the Colm Wilkinson who was the original Jean Valjean. So it's oh, a cool. very nice yeah. like acknowledgement back. Obviously way too old to have played the role himself yeah. in the film, but the, this acknowledgement that this is where it started and Hugh Jackman will be the one that people remember. But hey, It's like 21 Jump Street. Yes, it get, except more tasteful. Oh. Uh, you know, although I did like that in Twenty One Jump Street, that's still my favorite part about it. Was like when Johnny <laughs> Depp shows up, I'm like, "Oh my god, he did it! Awesome!" Uh, so uh, that's yeah, that's my movie stuff. Any TV things? Oh, no, we got uh, one more movie thing. That okay. is for people who have gone out and purchased their copy of Iron Sky. If you still uh, have it in the shrink I call wrap. that a, I call that a DVD thing, a TV thing, but that's what that's a, a TV thing. Okay, but it's, it's time now. Go ahead, do it. Okay, so uh, it was announced uh, just recently that September of next year, they will be releasing an extended version of Iron Sky with an additional twenty minutes. So if you can wait 
And if you can return that copy that you just bought on, uh, with your receipt, uh, you may want to. I, I mine's see, open. I, see, I don't know. I might enjoy. I'll tell you what. If uh, if I don't get it any other way, I'll just take your Blu-ray because <laughs> I didn't feel that I. If you really want that extra fifteen minutes, I really enjoyed that 20 movie. Minutes, yeah. Twenty, 20 minutes, Derek. Twenty minutes. <laughs> I really enjoyed Iron Sky. I, I didn't feel like there were unanswered questions in that narrative. Uh, I, I suspect it's going to be more on the mar on the moon base and that sort of thing, which so. might be fun. Yeah. Might be fun, but uh, yeah, I I I would say if you're just interested in Kind of an interesting, just a weird little movie. Uh, like I say, I've said we. I don't I, disagree. I don't disagree. We just enjoyed Iron Sky. Go ahead and get it. I, I, I look forward to, to seeing that again as it was. And uh, yep, because it was a surprise. Even with my anticipation of Nazis on the Moon, <laughs> it was a better movie than I thought. So even I liked it. Uh, by the way, that was uh, Deb Redschneider uh, coming in. Yeah, so I uh, was attempting to get Rick a last-minute Christmas gift today. Oh, that was a mistake. So, so yeah, i got to tell you what sold out. James Bond, 50 Years of Movie Posters. Oh, oh. 50 Years of Movie Posters? Yes. Oh. So, you, I mean, I was on barnesandnoble.com, and supposedly you could I could pick it up at a store. Mm-hmm. No store has it. Well, supposedly two of them did this morning, but when they actually got to the store and looked for it, no. no. Okay. And, Thank uh, you, dear. Amazon uh, is sold out. Now I can. It is get, the thought that counts. It is the thought. You, you can get <laughs> that it from, alone is Christmas And you know what? And you know what? You, you I think can, the best gift you give him, he still gets to live here. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I could get it from Amazon, but it wouldn't get here in time for Christmas, right? Because because yeah. it, it was second party people that were but it, jacking up their price. But it would course. it would get here in time for the Feast of Three Kings. On January sixth, true. So yeah, I'm just saying, big party night. I, I don't know if I don't know if your family <laughs> celebrates Little Christmas, but I'm all for that tradition. So, or at least that's I celebrate myself. I buy things and wrap them up and open them on January sixth. So, all right. You don't really do that. We'll be at Disneyland on I January sixth. You'll be at Disneyland on January sixth. Yes. 6th? Oh, okay. I thought we'd we did. You were going to be in that area today or something. Yeah. So. Yeah. I have to watch Cars between now and then, so the new section will make sense to me. All right, cool. (laughs) All right. uh, This part of Disneyland is senseless because (laughs) I haven't seen Cars with eyes? What? (laughs) And the monorail has eyes, too. Oh, no. Uh, Yes, because the monorail is is related to it. So, um, yeah, what's uh, the left TV? Doctor Who Christmas special next week? Yes. Probably before we podcast again. The Nerdist got picked up. For one of the thirteen episodes for, for like a full season on BBC America. BBC America, sweet, wow, it's okay. Be like a variety. That was show. a good show when they did. They did. Yeah, the their BBC. specials. Yeah, yeah. So they're gonna do. They're supposed to be like musical act and you know show stuff, whatever. So it seems like it's gonna be more like a variety show. Yeah, good okay. for Chris Hardy. Cool. Yeah, no, I I enjoy the podcast and it's, it's room for nerds. I That's want right. I want a place for us. More nerds, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Anything else? Uh, Walking Dead comes back in February. Nice. But we already knew that. Yeah, yeah I'm just getting and caught And Derek's going to watch the first two seasons. Uh, no, I believe I need to get ten emails from different people uh, encouraging me to do it. That was the that was the thing that it says. If people... All you said was, I need to watch a season of Doctor Who, and you'll watch That was all an exchange. Of... If he watches it, you'd watch it. I don't notice. I have noticed you watching a season of Doctor Who. You're supposed Who. to let me borrow one. Oh, okay. Well, I'll be getting one shortly from Amazon. <laughs> okay. So... Uh... <laughs> So, all right then. Uh, it's this will go up before the holidays, uh, actual holidays. So, Merry uh, Christmas to wish all. you all. Hopefully, happy we'll, 
holidays. Ha- happy holidays. <laughs> um, hmm, let's have our little lambit bread. Uh, so happy holidays, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening in. Thanks for giving us a good 2012. I think we're gonna we may get one more in before 2012 ends. Yes, so I think we'll do an end of the year show. Yes. Okay. So that'll and then uh, the next thing year in review. Uh, No, that's the end of the world show. That's right now. It is indeed. All right. So, anyway, uh, that's it. We should have reviewed everything that's happened throughout our time on tonight's show. Oh well, next next week we'll do in case we survive all the things we were going to do if it had been the end of the world. (laughs) Um, Wow. So this was the last night on Earth, and I spent it with you guys. Wow, that's that's cool. Um, so if you're listening to us on iTunes, please subscribe, uh, review us, tell your friends. You can listen to us on the Stitcher app. You can get us on www.fanboyplanet.com. You can give us a little Christmas gift and uh, drop a little money on the PayPal. That's okay. I'm, I'd be happy with that. Uh, and you can, if you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticisms, please, whatever, write in at editor at fanboyplanet.com planet.com and i'm Derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboy planet i am nate costa and i'm rick brett snyder reminding you to use your your powers powers only for good Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.
be the vampire slayer Made a really crappy film Luke Perry and Paul Rubens Made the average viewer ill All of the Warner Brothers Gave it a Tim Burton twist Now watch her kill on TV Showing off her ample acting ability Angel, you're a studly guy Watch out, girls, he'll suck you dry Oh will save my troll let it roll let it roll let it roll now you may think my life is tragic cause i play with cards of magic that cost me my eternal soul let it roll let it roll let it roll it's a fanboy christmas from roswell to missouri we're wishing happy kwanzaa to lando and uhura our jewish friends have opened the gifts that we did buy them the brand new kosher transformer optimus lachayim Killer body, Oris died, and Gabby cried because Joxer is a clod. Oh, Tribble, 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 you're made of fluffy fur. Tribble, 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 we love to hear you purr. Tribble, 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 you're really just a pain. Tribble, 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 you ate up all our grain. The temperature is nipply, so throw aliens on the fire with that new clone of Ripley. The anime cartoon stars are all getting along. The Dementites and Dementoids are all listening to this song. Woo! Danger, danger, young Will Robinson. For Dr. Smith is coming, Will Robinson. I know you have been searching for Babylon. You're hungry, have some fish heads, eat them up, yum. Eat them up, yum. Eat them up, yum. Linoleum. Enjoy your trip through this door. Enjoy.
enjoy tonight's film, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Don't talk to me about It's a Wonderful Life. Christmas, Christmas time is here. I hit the toy store each year. Slip the stalker A20. Action figures all for me. At convention, sell the girth. I charge 12 times what they're worth. Gee, this Christmas time is swell. Until all the little kids who want to buy the toys just so that they can play with them all get together and hunt me down and catch me and kill me and then I'll burn in hell. It's a fanboy Christmas and outside it's a blizzard. So curl up by the fire with your copy of Wizard. Lara Croft's new Yule Raider. It just might oversex us. And Wolverine is here to wish us all a Merry Xmas. Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. The Batmobile broke its wheel and the Joker got away. Penguin spewed Riddler's food into Face's cup. When Catwoman soiled her litter, Alfred cleaned it up. Silent Bob, Jay and Bob. Hatchet Man is their job. Just to pop profits with some weird quirks. Just two mall rats hassling clerks Always chasing a And smoking snoochie boochies God rest ye merry Pokemon inside your Pokeballs Team Rocket, Jesse, James, and Meowth are here to wreck your halls No decorations will they hang, nor carols will they sing They're too busy Poke Christmas card collecting Stealing all that they can get from Burger King should Voyager ever get home and again see Earth's sunshine? Then you'll find me out on the town with my date, Seven of Nine. It's a fanboy Christmas, no time to dilly-dally. Get all the geeks together, cause it's time for the finale. On the 12th day of Christmas, my fangirl gave to me 12 LARPers LARPing, 11 filkers filking, 10 apes from Deep Space 9, Doctor Who's 8, Sweet Transvestite 7 of 9, 6 Ewoks dancing, 5 Cardassian lights, there are 4 lights! Four Starfleet Captains, three Star Wars prequels, two Protocol Droids. And there can be only one Sci-Fi Channel on my TV. We wish you a fanboy Christmas. We wish you a fanboy Christmas. We wish you a fanboy Christmas and a trend.